0: talking about getting social with clients. And while you think that's great for overall loyalty and um, building better relationships, it also has a huge impact when it comes to referral flow.
1: Just a quick plug before we get into it. WealthFest is committed to helping you grow your business. Not only do they bring you great content like today's podcast, they also help you with discounts into our performance coaching program. This is the number one coaching program in the industry. For more information, check out Oxley.com wealthvest
0: so let's get into today's topic again, that is getting more social with clients and the impact that that will have on getting more referrals. And Stephen, why is this an important topic for advisors?
1: Well, it's one I think we all experience firsthand that clients that you have a better relationship with tend to be better clients. Mm-hmm. They're more likely to stick with you. They're more likely to tell other people about it. But we spent some time looking really into the stats here. So we asked clients, what's the type of relationship you have with your advisor? Is it all business or are there some social aspects to it? And then we took that bifurcated group and said, well, how does this impact the referrals given out?
0: Right, exactly. Right. Uh, some interesting data that we have here on the activities that were positively correlated with referrals. So certain types of social activities and then you know, the correlation with actually getting a referral.
1: So when you look at this list, we broke it down in in just the different ways that you could socialize with a client. So for example, a social lunch, Mm -hmm. working alongside them in charitable efforts, engaging in hobbies or activities with them, going to uh, having them over to your house for dinner, having met your spouse, going to a social event uh, together. Mm -hmm. So all things that are are relatively standard fare in the nature of a, a client advisor relationship. And we wanted to see, so for a client who had experienced that behavior with their advisor in the course of a year, how likely were they to have also referred to their advisor in that year as well? So it's not to say that I have a social lunch and I uh, take Kevin out to lunch, he's my client, and then at that lunch, he gives me a referral. But sometime in that calendar year, those two behaviors happen.
0: Right, there's a strong correlation, not necessarily a causation. Right? Yeah,
1: exactly. So for the number, number one on the list, had a social lunch. 65% of those who had a social lunch with their advisor also referred to that advisor in that calendar year.
0: That was number one from from our data. Number two was um, worked alongside the advisor in a charitable effort. And number three was engaged in a hobby or activity with their advisor.
1: So all of these are in the, the high 50s or into the low 60s in terms of if I did that behavior with this client, that's how likely they were to have referred me over that year. Pretty strong evidence. Yeah.
0: And, and something so simple as a social lunch can have really hopefully a big impact on referral flows. Now, I want to point out this stat at the bottom here that we have of the sheet because I think this is just interesting. 34% of clients with a business and social relationship gave three or more referrals to their advisor over the past 12 months compared to only 17% with a business-only relationship. So you're looking at basically doubling the referral flow rate.
1: Yeah, you know, they're twice as likely not only to advocate for you once, but to give you three or more referrals in that year. So when we look at why it's important, the the data doesn't lie on this one. The more we make an effort to socialize, to get personal with our clients, the more they are an advocate for us. So if we were to look at just action steps so far, we hope every one of these podcasts gives you some really practical takeaways. Takeaway number one so far is do some social lunches. Mm -hmm. It was number one on the list. It's also the most practical and easy Right. If you said yeah. I'm gonna do one of these a week or one of these every two weeks, if you're starting from scratch, that's a great metric to be held accountable to and you know the results will be there.
0: Now, when you're talking about something that seems almost like a little abstract, like having a social relationship with a client, well, what, well how do you know if you actually have a social relationship or not? Well, the perception that really matters is, is not yours, it's the client's perception. And we have some interesting data on this as well. Yeah, so
1: when asked, What's the nature of your relationship with your advisor? Is it all business? Is it business and social? 29% of the affluent said it's business and social with their advisor. So about 30% say, oh, I have a business and social relationship. Which to me sounds about right. Right. And again, it's from the client, so it's right. Three out of 10. (laughs) 74% of advisors say they have business and social relationships with their clients. A massive disconnect here.
0: Yeah. To me, this was so interesting, right? There's a big gap between the perception of relationship, right, between the affluent investor and the advisor. Now, we could speculate all day long in terms of why that gap exists, right? And we you know, we we were talking about it earlier and we were saying, well maybe it's, you know, the advisor has a client in for a meeting and during that meeting they have a little bit of chit chat about the client's family and things like that. And then in the advisor's mind they say, ah, Social relationship. Yep.
1: Asked about their kids. Asked about right. their
0: their favorite sports teams. But the, but the client says, "Oh, that's just kind of idle chit chat, right?" And that's just like this, and that doesn't mean necessarily that we have a social relationship now.
1: And I think much of that is defined by do you get them out of the office? It's hard to feel like you've gotten social if you're in the confines of the office. That's a good point. So how do we look at this in a, in a little bit of a different lens? And. That's not a one-off data point. Like we surveyed them one year and found that there was a huge disconnect, 29% versus 74. That happens every year. Yeah. Like we look at it and the numbers are within a few percentage of point percentage points of that every year. So takeaway number two in this podcast is, let's really take stock of some of our better relationships. Let's look at our top 25, our top 50 and think, when's the last time we socialized? Mm-hmm. When's, what do we know about them personally? Here's some more interesting data. When asked how well do they think their advisor knows them, the affluent don't think their advisor knows them all that well. Mm -hmm. So 55% thinks that their advisor knows their kids' names. Something you'd want to know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, about about half of them.
1: 10% think their advisor knows their pets' names.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? Pretty important. 44% thinks their advisor knows their charitable interest. 40% think their advisor thinks about them quarterly or less. So just thinks about them. That's a tough question to word for yeah. the affluent, but we did a good job on that one. We uncovered they don't think their advisor thinks about them a whole lot at all. And lastly, 61% think their advisor personally cares about them.
0: So flip that one for a second. 40% don't think their advisor personally cares about them. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, that, those clients are ripe for the taking from others, but we look at this just within our own book of business. We think with our own top 25 or our own top 50, how would we assess the relationship across all of those categories?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, let, let's think. I mean, before before we move on to some tips in terms of building a more social relationship, but if you if you flip this for a second too, and you think about like, well, what do your clients know about you? Because you know, a social relationship is not built just by me knowing everything about my good client Steven here, mm. right? Like, if I just become a, a Stephen expert, right, <laughs> then that doesn't mean like we have a social relationship. Social relationship is 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 kind of back and forth, right? So. Also, I need to think about it from an advisor standpoint, is like, am I sharing some information about myself to make them feel more vested in me, right? And to to get to know me more personally. Do they know some of my hobbies? Do they know some of my kids' names? Do they know my charitable interests? And then you know, over time, it's gonna build that bond.
1: Well said. So let's look at nine tips for deepening these client relationships in a social light. And uh, number one on the list, slow down. It's hard to get personal if you're always in a rush in between appointments. And we see so many people do this where you stack appointment after appointment. You don't allow enough time for the conversation to breathe a little bit. And for you to ask some extra questions about what's happening in their personal life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like if if you're just back-to-back appointments, it's going to be pretty impossible for you to be in the moment with them. You're going to be thinking about the next meeting and are you prepared for that? We want you to feel good and in the moment. So you might have to spread out your meetings a little bit. Have some buffer time. Number two here is engage feelings. And I think this one's interesting. So steer the conversation with questions about feelings, not necessarily actions. So not like, hey, what's going on with your mother? But more of like, hey, are you worried about what's going on with her?
1: Right. right? Yeah. How are you feeling about little Johnny going off to school? Yeah. Are you stressed getting ready for this big vacation you've got coming? Right. But try to go to another level with them in terms mm. of uh, their feelings. Number three, always get personal. So if you think about every correspondence you have with a client, whether it is by email, by voicemail, by text, any form of communication, let's make sure there's a PS involved. That's like, hey, by the way, saw your team last night. They're looking pretty sharp this year, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. hey, uh, you know, I- I'm looking forward to seeing some more pictures. I-, I saw the pictures you put up on Facebook about XYZ family event.
0: Exactly. Um, number four here is social lunches. We already mentioned that. This is the easiest action you can take. And gosh, that sounds like like old advice, right? Oh yeah, go to social lunches. But man, it's one that if you put consistency behind it and you say like, I'm going to do one a week, right? Something that's very doable. And you call up the client and you say, Hey, I want to grab lunch. And what's your favorite spot? And by the way, um, I just want to catch up, no paperwork, right? And just make it social. You'll be amazed at, you know, how much it deepens the relationship, but also you You'll just start uncovering opportunities. I mean, Stephen, I think you had a client who who made this one of his biggest action items from, from coaching with you, and it had a huge impact on his business.
1: Yeah, he went up. He, he didn't make a lot of changes to his business. Um, he was already really successful, top 25 in his firm, and he started doing this once a week. And he said, he hadn't done it in 15 years. Yeah. he said, I'm taking the challenge. I'm going to do it once a week, every week if it kills me. And he'd take people out. He said, I was just stumbling into opportunities. Yeah. He says, I wasn't even trying that hard. I'd find they'd say, oh, I need to put you in front of my sister. Or I've got this other account I've been meaning to talk to you about. And the guy's business just, uh, you know, big, big uptick, even for somebody at that level. And so it was, when,
0: It's so simple. Yeah, right? it's just
1: simple stuff. So uh, number five, engaging them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I know some of you out there, we know you. You're thinking, I'm not a Facebook kind of person. I don't do, well, forget what you're into. Think about what your clients are into. Mm -hmm. And you've got a number of clients, I'll guarantee it, who've got a lot of money, who spend time on Facebook and they share events about themselves. So even if you make the commitment that you don't even go on there and post anything about yourself, there's a lot you can learn about your clients just by being on the network.
0: Yeah, exactly. The fastest growing demographic on Facebook is like 55-year-old plus, right? So going on there, just befriending them, just strictly personal. We're not talking about a business Facebook page. We're talking about strictly personal. Connect with clients on that personal level um, and then start engaging with them and they will absolutely notice. And it gives you more touch points. I mean, I can only do so many social lunches. I mean, truthfully, right? I mean, eventually, if I keep asking you every week to go to lunch with me, you're like, hey, man, I got other things to do, right? Yeah, yeah, this guy, Kevin, he must not have very many clients. But I can go in strategically, you know, once a week and eh, comment on one of your posts, right? And that's not seen as over the top.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Think about this as a resource to learn about them, to engage with them. We've recommended this to so many people over the years. And oftentimes people are reluctant at first. Never do we have somebody come back to us who regrets having gotten on the network. That's true. They're always like, it just changed the nature of the the, the back and forth.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, number six here is engaging their kids, right? Showing a genuine interest in your client's children. Uh, it doesn't matter matter if they're they're five years old or, or forty years old, but showing some interest in them and um, and learning about what they care about.
1: Yeah, very closely related to that. Number seven, engage their pets. <laughs>
0: it's weird to even say that, right? Well,
1: but it's it's the the way society has shifted. You know, a lot yeah. of times when if you're an empty nester, you have pets that mean a whole lot to you. Pets so are the new kids. Take an interest. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, <laughs> but take an interest in them. Ask them how the pet is doing by name. Learn about Mm -hmm. the the interesting quirks this pet might have that they do backflips or they pee on the rug, whatever it is (laughs) like you want to know and ask about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Number. um, Sorry. Number eight here is engage your kids. So we mentioned earlier about building a social relationship and how that's not a one way street. Right. People need to, to clients need to get to know you personally. Let them get to know your kids. Let them see that you're human and then you have. You know, maybe maybe you have them, um, you know, if they come to your house sometimes and they see that it's kind of crazy at your house, right? But that's just the nature of it because you have three young boys, right, or whatever it might be. Did you point at me there? Yeah, definitely. I'm um, pointing yeah, at Steven because, yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but no, okay. think
1: about it. If it, if you've got younger kids, absolutely. Engage them. Bring them to, some, bring them to a, your office for an open house. Have them there for a client event occasionally. Don't be afraid to share some pictures of, of what's happening in their lives.
0: We had a client. Um, this is an advisor during Halloween would actually – take his kids with him and visit clients at their homes Mm -hmm. all dressed up all dressed up in their costumes and clients loved it yeah kids loved it too
1: we had another client who she said i had artwork coming out of my ears because my my kids if they're in school they do a ton of artwork i got so much artwork i started sending that stuff out to clients with my (laughs) you know with with whatever correspondence i'd say hey by the way my my kids thought you would like this yeah
0: people eat it up that's adorable All right. Um, Number nine here is leveraging your home. There's nothing like having someone come into your home, you know, breaking bread with them, you know, cooking a meal and changing the dynamic of the relationship.
1: Yeah. So being, you know, being willing to let people in is the theme here. So if we were to think about all this in a capsule here, if our goal is, first of all, we look at the numbers and we say, if we get more personal with clients and we let them in socially and we get to know them socially, the numbers go up, not only in terms of loyalty, but with referral flow, we guarantee it. So how do we put structure around this process where it's not occasionally for the clients who I really like Mm -hmm. I go out to dinner because that's easy and you all do that right how do I systematically do this across my top x number of relationships to where we're doing this once a week we're doing this once a month We're, we're putting some more structure to it so again none of these strategies are all that complicated but the best in the business do them with a lot of consistency remember raise the bar through consistent execution more referrals are possible
0: The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the presenter and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WealthFest or the Oxley Institute. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthFest or the Oxley Institute. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest and the Oxley Institute do not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. Neither WealthFest nor the Oxley Institute warrants the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any in content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.